Hello and welcome to another episode of What Comes Next, a show all about the technologies that will shape your future. I'm Rob Kellner. I'm Amy Dickens. And I'm Kwaku Akamensa. Kwaku, how are you doing? It's been a while. You're taking, you've been taking some much overdue and well-earned paternity leave. Yeah, yeah. So some, um, some delayed paternity leave. Um, so my little one is almost a year old now. That's mad. I know it's crazy. It's gone so fast. Um, but yeah, it's been really nice to chill out with the family and, um, yeah, just like have some time, like a lot of time away from screens and appreciating just like the, the, the simple things. It's been really, really cool. You know, like cooking pancakes for your daughter. It's like, yeah, sweet. It's nice. Um, so yeah, I've, uh, I've also been getting bang into uh, some audio books. I'll tell you what I um, listened to the other day, which is absolutely amazing um is war of the worlds first time that i'd listened to it it was david tennant doing the reading yes brilliant yeah so good it's absolutely amazing um and also kind of terrifying you know it's just so um immersive uh you know you really feel like the disgusted like you know the fear of the people and it's so realistic the way that the kind of murmurs of this like this alien had uh like the, the, the ripples across the nation and, and, and what happens it's, it's absolutely fantastic i would definitely recommend it to anyone and you can get it um uh free uh, am i gonna do an advert for um for that service <laughs> given that i don't like the the way that they operate no i'm not but if you're into audiobooks then uh yeah you probably use that service already and it's now free on that service how about you mate how you doing yeah really really good yeah i've actually spent the last kind of week just immersed in uh electricity storage okay Uh, not as in like not not from a kind of personal standpoint but we had gravitricity on the last episode yeah yeah i I listened to it i thought it was a really cool episode it's good not to be on it but yeah awesome just fascinating such a sort of clever solution before they came on i had this inkling of like this just how elegant it was and then basically i just mm-hmm. wrote a blog about these basically five different kinds of gravity uh, not gravity but sort of energy storage solutions and how they kind of stack up and what and how they work basically and yeah. they are they are definitely one of the most elegant kind of solutions out there you know you have stuff like there's a company that's doing it's basically compressing air to the point where it's liquid it has to be it has to be called to minus like 200 degrees celsius and then it becomes liquid and then it's stored as liquid where it's like 700, a 700th of the size or takes up 700 times kind of less volume. And then it basically, wow. as soon as they heat it, the gas expands and then that creates a force which drives a turbine. Like some oh, really wow. interesting stuff out there. Yeah, like really, really cool. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, there's loads of different ideas out there. And they all basically are employing the same idea, which is kind of like using energy to basically to create potential energy. So either yeah. moving something up a gradient or kind of compressing yeah, yeah. something down. And then basically like you just take the brakes off, nature does its thing, and you just have a force out of it. It's really interesting. I really like the way that you described it on um, on the podcast. You know, it's, it, I think elegant is the right word. It's like, you know, that there are there are means of energy storage that are available to us. So let's, you know, let's make the most use of them already. You know, yeah. nature usually finds a way of you know, making them about as efficient as possible. So if we're able to kind of tag onto the back of one of those existing systems, then great. But I like, I really like the idea of that um, liquid uh, freezing and expansion. I always remember there was like, uh, I think it was like on a TED talk or something, but basically um, was talking about how the expansion of um, water when it freezes 
like that force is so strong that it can break through like a, a titanium um like locked like aperture right like that's how strong the, that's the crazy. force of like freezing water is it's like yeah absolutely insane so you, you think about it if you're if you're able to store energy in that fashion it's like yeah you you can store like real serious amounts of power like that it's very very cool um cool way to think about a problem yeah absolutely in this company just because I've, I've just remembered the names higher power and they call them cryo batteries like kind of like cryogenic oh, for the cryo batteries nice. that's um, sick, so so cool and actually speaking of the last episode we had a, a listener question oh cool so it's a guy called tom he reached out on instagram and he basically says um he was wondering how gravitricity solution compares to pumped hydro storage so yeah again pumped hydro is another sort of energy storage ideal technology and basically how it works is whereas gravitricity kind of pulls up a weight either up a mine shaft or just kind of into the air creating gravitational potential energy pumped hydro is the same thing but basically you're using uh, spare renewable energy to pump water or a fluid uphill. Um, mm. So again, you're still you're basically storing a mass up a gravitational gradient and releasing it to release gravitational potential or release gravitational energy, and then the water drives a turbine on the way down. It's kind of like a dam, basically. Sure. We didn't really cover kind of direct comparisons on the podcast, but I did find a really interesting article by thegreenage.co.uk, which basically says that something like a gravity battery is just a, a basically just simpler than pumped hydro because rather than just moving liquid up and down a hill, which can be quite a sort of long distance and therefore can take a lot of time to kind of output the energy, a gravity battery is essentially simpler and therefore it's quicker to act and quicker to charge and that kind of thing. Mm. So that seems to be kind of the main difference. I think I would guess something like gravity batteries also has less of an environmental impact because for pumped hydro, you're basically borrowing an existing gradient. So you're you're using the side of a hill to put the pipes in. So you're kind of digging up mm. earth or you're kind of, you know, taking up natural space. Whereas um, something like a gravity battery you can use in mine shafts that are kind of more portable in that sense, even though they're very heavy. Um, so that's my kind of sense. So hopefully Tom's happy with that answer. If you have any more <laughs> questions, I'll try and reach out to Gravitricity to see if they can take it for us. Wicked. But really, Wicked. really cool space. Mate, I'm very interested to hear what you're, you're bringing to the table this week uh, for Innovation of the Week as well. Um, I don't know whether whether you want to start first or... I hardly start because it's sort of connect. It's it's kind of in the green energy space. Great, um, yeah. So I'll start. Okay, cool. So my innovation of the week. It's a company called Kite Mill. Well, there are lots of companies that do this, but it's basically using kites to capture wind power instead of wind turbines. Cool. Okay. Yeah. So basically, how this works is you've got there are sort of three parts to this. The kite. When you when we when we talk about kite, what we're really talking about is a drone. Like it's a, it's a proper sort of miniature plane looking thing. It's autonomous. Yeah. And what it does is it, it's attached to a base station by a tether. And what the drone does is basically fly around in winds in a circle. So you can think of the drone as like the end of a propeller blade of a turbine. Mm. And it essentially goes round and round in the wind. And as it does that, it's churning a turbine on the ground and therefore oh, generating okay. electricity. So it's really, really similar kind of idea. Um, and there are two different versions of it. That's kind of one version. That's what Kite Mill are doing. The other version is basically you have a drone that kind of stays in the air wind flies over its propellers and then some of that force keeps it in the air the other force is transmitted down so it's like a sort of hovering turbine in the air if that makes sense cool yeah yeah so, so how, how much power do these things generate then on a windy day so the reason i found this company was i was looking at different sort of uk green tech companies and um there was a company called kite power systems that were bought by kite mill which is a norwegian company but kite power systems sort of back in the day were talking about 
these drones being able to develop about 500 kilowatts of energy each, which is the equivalent of, which is enough power to power 430 homes. Wow. Okay. And so they're sort of, you can imagine they're sort of like, I would say like kind of desk sized, um, fly around, and then you can obviously apply, you can, you can kind of put up multiple kites and they can kind of fly yeah. around. I guess it depends on the size of the drone, power of the wind, all that kind of stuff. But that was the sort of 500 kilowatts was about what they were kind of talking about at the time. And that was a couple of years ago. That's cool. And how big are these? So the size of a desk? I mean, we're, we're kind of in the prototype stage with most of this stuff. So this is sort of all, yeah, it's all quite early on. So I guess we're, we're, we'll wait and see what the final products will look like if they ever kind of make it into full production. But yeah, I mean, not much bigger than what I don't, you know, like quite a big model plane would be so yeah, i'd say w- yeah. wingspan probably about as big as kind of a human wingspan if that makes sense uh-huh. um about as long again are they quite kind of complex in their in their composition or is this something that you think we could see being 3d printed one day uh, that's a great question i mean i think they there's probably like a, a number of moving parts because they are sort of you know they have to have little kind of propeller engines and all that kind yes, of stuff yeah um i get the sense generally with drones that the as the market increases, you'll have economies of scale. They'll be produced on mass. It'll be cheap. They'll find new materials to make them light, all that kind of stuff. So I think generally it's going in that sort of direction. Whether or not they'll yeah three printed whole, I'm not sure, but certainly they'll be cheaper, more accessible, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, very cool, very cool. I like the idea that um, and this brings us back to the the sort of stratospheric um, platforms conversation where we were yeah. talking about removing big infrastructure projects and instead having a kind of portable network. Uh, in, in their case up in the stratosphere but here you would have one that you know you can literally like take out to the countryside up goes the kite and then boom there's your generator for the weekend or for you know for the week right whatever it might be that's really really cool yeah and it, and sort of that's a, that's a great point and to that point like wh- because you don't have such a large amount of sort of fixed infrastructure one of the benefits of this is basically the drone so it's a it's a, it's a obviously autonomous autonomous drone and what it can do is basically fly to where the wind is strongest and fly kind of into the direction of the wind. Because obviously they check, you know, the direction of the wind changes slightly uh, yeah, yeah. over time. So whereas a classic turbine is kind of built and pointed in one direction, this can then kind of move around, figure out where the wind is best, figure out I know, what altitude to fly it to. So again, one of the big advantages of this is that as long as the tether can hold and the drone can sort of you know handle the altitude, you can go much higher. And so the higher you go, the stronger and more stable the winds are. Very cool. Very cool. So what are they doing to commercialize it? Have they, you know, we're really talking about prototype stage right now, or have they got any clients? I mean, can you go out and buy one of these and, you know, plug into your house? What's the, yeah. what's the drill? I think I'm fairly sure it's still fairly early stage. There are other companies that, so there's a, a another version of kind of kite powered uh, or another kind of kite power technology, which is being funded by Google. So Alphabet and X Labs, you know, it's kind of cutting edge research development wing, which is trying out stuff in Hawaii. And then that is, so rather than kind of like moving a tether, which moves a turbine, that's one of the kites that uses the wind power to turn its engines that, generates electricity so again it's like having many portable turbines so i imagine that's probably maybe a bit closer to fruition i thought this solution was more interesting but yeah i think you know i think they're very much in the sort of like kind of scaling up the prototypes uh delivering kind of you know kind of bigger and bigger proofs of concept and then they can talk to governments about deploying it locally or local governments about deploying it that kind of thing very cool very cool and um remind me of the company name again so it's called kite mill 
So yeah, Norwegian company called Kite Mill that bought this UK company. And it's interesting, I just, I learned that the drones can fly up to sort of 500 meters. So they can do this sort of, you know, to make these kind of big sweeps. Um, so I was kind of wondering, you know, how big is the kind of biggest wind turbine? How tall do they actually get? And the biggest one, it's a, being made in China, it's 866 feet tall, uh, which is I think wow. about 200, 270, 280 meters. Uh, so each blade is 387 feet long. Yeah. And so it, the, the sweep of its rotation is bigger than six football pitches. What? Yeah, absolutely crazy. And one turbine apparently will be able to power 20,000 homes. I, I assume that's over, you know, that's a, you know per, per year, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. It's like a smaller GE version per rotation could power a home for two days. So every kind of every time it rotates <laughs> once. Like I didn't, I didn't, I didn't really kind of that get how cool. how powerful these things are. I mix this. I mean, they are unbelievable yeah. structures. Um, but to think that you know you watch a you watch a, a turbine rotate once, and that's two days worth of power for a house. That's quite, that is quite extraordinary, isn't it? I mean, they're yeah, that's they're insane, colossal things. It? Yeah, yeah. Oh man, that's actually like quite reassuring with all of the the, the climate um, disaster that we're hearing at the moment. It's like okay. We're getting there with the level yeah. of efficiency. You know, we're making some some pretty big inroads towards some fantastic tech. So, yeah, that's awesome, man. Really, really cool one. So, Quaker, your innovation of the week. What are we talking about? Yeah, so I kind of uh, toyed with the idea of um, an update on a on a previous one. Uh, I was gonna uh, basically because I ended up down a rabbit hole of watching um, some of the latest Gravity Inc. videos about the uh, the jetpacks. For anyone who hasn't seen those, definitely go and check them out. Basically, jetpacks are a real thing now. Uh, and there's also a um, a company in Australia uh, that's created a one man um, helicopter, essentially, with <laughs> two two uh, rotor blades on either side of a person that they can fly around. Oh my god! Just kind of hang suspended in midair. Absolutely amazing. But um, I decided no, and I'm glad because you know it's also kind of. Uh, it, quite similar to the kind of technology that you've described as well. I decided that I was going to go for something else um, and go completely kind of out there. Uh, and I found this company, right? Um, I, th- I believe it's a spin out from um, a, a Georgia University. And they have been 3D printing uh, a micro bristle bot, right? And a micro bristle bot is basically a, it's a, it's, they're kind of getting away with calling it a robot, although there's a lot of chat on the uh, on on the internet about whether or not you can <laughs> call it that. But essentially, it's two millimeters in length, right? Uh, and it has these uh, these bristles attached to it uh, that look like legs, and those bristles flex based on um, sound waves and vibrations that are, are transmitted towards it, and they can move the. Uh, the the, the bot around so the, these these guys have basically created something that's smaller than the world's smallest ant that has no battery power whatsoever and that can be controlled remotely by different frequencies of sound wave which i just think is like absolutely wow. incredible now we're talking about like seriously like burgeoning technology here right it's not like a you know, they haven't figured out what they're going to do with it yet although they've got some some interesting ideas which i'll touch on in a second but um, there was a cool uh, quote here from one of the professors who was saying they're working at the intersection of mechanics 
electronics, biology, and physics. So it's like, okay, that's a, that's a good junction to start, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, but yes, the, so, so the, um, the bots are um, two millimeters long. They're controlled through vibrations that can either be delivered uh, via ultrasound uh, or through regular speakers as well. Uh, and they've also got versions of the bot which operate on these, uh, these films that are kind of electrically charged as well. So there are mm. versions of them that, that, that kind of move across these films. They've got different size legs that respond to different frequencies of sound wave. And that's the way that they actually get them to move. So, or that they can uh, affect the direction. So if you imagine there are longer legs on one side, short legs on the other, if you want the, the bot to turn, then you turn up the frequency or down the frequency. And that's what gets the, these bristles to, uh, to flex. Uh, and it kind of, it, when they zoom in on the motion of it, it looks like the bot is really, really quickly like jumping. So it's sort of almost buzzing, uh, along, um, it moves, it can move at up to um, eight millimeters per second, which is not bad considering that it's um, only two millimeters in length. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so essentially what they've got there is this, uh, this external motor control. Um, what they're thinking that they might end up using this for is um, medicine delivery in the human body. So you oh, can imagine cool. like these are the kind of things that you might be able to swallow and then, you know, I guess what's, you know, move into some kind of sound immersion room and oh, <laughs> get the sound waves and move them around your body with little packages of medicine to be delivered to a, a specific organ, for example. Um, the other is uh, environmental sensing as well. So you know, you'd be able to send these bots into potentially dangerous, dangerous environments with uh, certain sensors or maybe chemical uh, receptors on them. And you can move them into uh, really small areas to, to figure out what's going on in terms of the chemical composition of the atmosphere and things like that. So, um, yeah, Georgia Tech, 3D printed micro bristle bots. Micro bristle bot. It just, it sort of just <laughs> sounds really poetic, bristle bots. I know, I know. <laughs> yeah. I really like that. I mean, it's really interesting. It, I, I love hearing about innovations where it's like, I enjoy where they ended up. I have no idea how they got there. Like, I don't know, like, who yeah. said, what if we do this? Like right, that seems right. like so out there as an idea that they would say, well, what if we kind of like develop tiny robots that we could kind of manipulate and propel through um, the ultrasound? Yeah. Like it's so, I really like that. They're clearly such kind of thinking going on. Yeah. Well, I, I wonder whether, um, I guess like there's always for some reason this, uh, this want to make things smaller and smaller and smaller. Right. So I wonder whether the, um, the technique for locomotion, so these bristles and the sound waves, whether that came off the back of the fact that we're trying to make a robot that's so small it can't house a battery. Yeah. Because it's, you sure. know, so so two millimeters, um, that, that's smaller than any battery that currently exists. Um, mm. And so that wasn't an option. So I guess, you know, the classic example of, you know, a constraint causing creativity. So yeah, have absolutely. to go for this, this, different, um, this different way forward. I also just love the idea of, you know, this is a completely different approach to, um, to locomotion, right? You could essentially say then, well, we're going to create structures or we're going to create pieces of art that respond to, uh, sound waves, right? Like mm -hmm. imagine a sculpture made out of billions of these bristles that if you spoke at it in a certain way, then it would turn the sound waves of your voice into a physical 
uh, a unique physical structure, a one-off piece of art uh, in front of you. That's so cool. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and uh, thinking about like kind of, you know, concerts and musicians using this right. as like, you know, having these statues that respond differently to yeah. different songs and like, you know, kind of different exactly. bits to different songs. Right, so right, right, cool. exactly. Like a visual, uh, a, a visual um, rendition of like a, you know, a musical crescendo or something like that. Yeah, be, yeah. Be incredible. Be really, really cool. Um, so, so I just, I, I love that. I thought it was, you know, such a cool solution and, and something completely different, something away from software as well. You know, it seems like we're actually spending quite a lot of time away from the kind of software side of things, which, you know, we haven't forgotten about also There's a lot of exciting <laughs> stuff going up there as well. Um, but no, it is nice to, to you know, to, to think about these like tiny, tiny, um, innovations and like brand new step changes in technology as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I also like the idea that you know, particularly when you get to the like medicine and medicine delivery in the body, that you're you obviously have to be really careful with like you know people have been talking about sort of like microscopic robots or nanites or whatever in the body for a long time, but I guess one of the one like said constraints is that whatever they're made of can't be toxic because they're going to like yes you know straight into the body straight past the immune system all that kind of stuff. So like you really I guess need to be conscious of how those work, what they're made of, and all that kind of stuff. So actually, if you can you know, if something like you say is being propelled through sound, which we know is you know inert, but it's yeah. with that like that's such like an elegant way of doing, it, rather than like say having small batteries or small whatever. Right, exactly. Which presumably would have to, or at least at the moment, would not be um, you know non toxic to the body. Like batteries are renowned for their poor end of life choices, right? Yeah, um, yeah absolutely. And, yeah, and also you know the the, the toxic elements within them. So yeah. I hope that that's the that's one of the reasons why it makes it a particularly good match for the um, what do you call it intravenous medicine um, delivery. But um, yeah, I, that, that's what I was going to say. So the um, the material that these um, bots are made out of, obviously because they're so tiny, right? Like the manufacturing process for them is like absolutely bizarre as well. So they basically shoot a laser at this uh, block of epoxy and then combine it with a, a kind of plastic cement like in, in underneath a microscope essentially so yeah. then that's that's what the 3d printing process looks like for them. absolutely insane i mean can you like just hats off to the researchers who are you know working on these things because you can you imagine how many times that must have gone wrong <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah you know god <laughs> before you before you created a leg that you know or a bristle rather that is definitely going to flex the right tiny amount when put in front of a, you know, a certain vibration or a certain type of ultrasound, like it must just have been infuriating to get this thing working. Yeah. You know, it's like the, it's like the classic, like the, what, you know, quickest route to frustration, like fiddle with something that's just too small for, you know, your kind of fingers <laughs> that are like, yeah. you know, just out of your sort of reach. Like I thought this must have been like yeah. that times like a billion, right? It's like, yeah, you yeah. can barely see the thing you're manipulating. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Like you, anywhere where you can ruin a month's worth by a month's work by sneezing is not <laughs> a good look, you know? Like how annoying. Seriously, like when when I was looking at the pictures of this and I'll I'll send you a, a link to the video cuz it's really really cool to like watch it sort of zipping about. Um, but they they have it in contrast to a a one pence piece and the thing is absolutely minuscule. It's crazy. It's just got these two little legs. Man. 
something quite sinister about it as well. <laughs> so I don't, I don't trust that you know that human beings have uh, control over something so small. It's it's really bizarre. But um, yeah, yeah, no, very very cool stuff. Awesome. Two really, really cool technologies there. Also very different ends of the spectrum. I really like that sort of, you know, soaring through the air versus a tiny little thing that enters the human body. I think that's really, really cool. If uh, you, dear listeners, have any recommendations for innovations of the week, we'd absolutely love to hear them. You can reach us at wcn at grantree.co.uk or on Twitter. We're at WCNPod, Instagram at WCNPod as well. Yeah, and also I would like to let our listeners know that we're in the run-up now to our 50th show. We've almost been running for two years. Uh, we've got a couple more amazing episodes for you before our 50th, and then we've got some exciting announcements uh, for the next series of uh, of companies that we're going to be interviewing, hopefully even some live recordings as well at some point. So yes, watch this space, and we look forward to welcoming you to the next episode of What Comes Next. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of What Comes Next. Make sure you don't miss an episode by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. We're trying to get the word out about the show, so if you have time, please share it with friends or leave a review on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. If you have any questions about what we've discussed on this episode or would like to talk about your own technology on the podcast, then drop us an email. We're at wcn at grantree.co.uk. Thank you very much again. See you next time.